Hello and you're very welcome back to Series 7 of the Public Eye podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. As always, I'm your host, Sarah Travers, delighted to be back with you again. Throughout this series, I've been speaking to local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth and find out, crucially, how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Today in the podcast studio, I'm joined by Linda Stinson, Director of Bellamyanta and Director of Iconic Bronze. Linda, it is so good to see you in the studio today. Bronzed and beautiful despite the weather outside. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me in. Well, we'll come back to you in just a second, but I'm just going to give listeners a little bit of an idea why why we have you in the (laughs) podcast studio today. So a bit of background on Linda and her brand. So after 15 years of cosmetic experience, Linda co-founded Bellamyanta Self-Tan in 2015. She formulated the tanning range as she saw a gap in the market for a competitively priced, clean, luxury tan, which is vegan and cruelty free. Bellamyanta has a huge celeb following now, from the cobbles of Coronation Street to the stars of the Hollywood Hills in LA and even the villa in Love Island. It's now available in over 5,000 outlets nationwide, including Brown Thomas, and has been launched in Boots, UK and Superdrug. The tan is formulated, manufactured and produced here in Ireland using only the cleanest ingredients without compromising on performance. And not only is Linda an amazing entrepreneur, but she's also, and anybody who follows her on social media will know this, a real family woman. She includes her nearest and dearest in every way she can. She values their opinions and loves being able to share her journey with them. So Linda... It is, as I said, lovely to have you in the studio today. So let's go right back, as I do with all the guests at the start. From the beginning, tell us a little bit about you and who you are, where you came from. Okay, so um, I'm one of seven children, um, born and reared in a little village called Primroy in County Tyrone, which I'm sure a lot of you will know or may not know. Um, So I suppose growing up um, in a very, very small village, um, you know, from a very young age, I wasn't really into the Gaelic football. I wasn't into the normal things. I was into the singing and the acting and the dancing. Um, but there was a, a big history. Is that not where Philomena is from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the singing and the and Malachy Kush, is he? Malachy, he's, he's down See? the road. I do um, know. <laughs> and I did sing in a band for um, a good number of years um, with a guy from from Roy. And um, I kind of left school, I'll be honest with you, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And like many of people who didn't know what they wanted to do, I just, I went into the civil service. I used to help people back into work. I used to work at the job centre in Chester Street in Belfast. Did you? Yeah, so, um, and then I got promoted and I was moved to a different department, which let's just say I didn't stay there for too long. Okay. <laughs> and it was kind of at that point I was like, right, Linda, wise up, you need to really think about what it is you want to do because when I left school I really wanted to be an actress at a very young age, that wasn't going to happen. Why was it not going to happen? Um, I suppose, you know, being one of seven children, there was a lot of expenses, outgoing expenses to go over to the London, you know, College of um, Drama, or Singing and Drama, um, and back then we just probably just didn't have it, um, and the, it was, wasn't... was 
really heard of for many people around our area to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I decided, right, what is it that I liked? I always loved, you know, part of the theatre and the singing with the getting dressed up, the, the glamour of it all. And I was massively into my beauty products. So I started working for Urban Decay and then I went on to work for Benefit Cosmetics and um, I then became an area manager for Benefit Cosmetics out on the road, training um, new members of staff, recruiting new members of staff and looking after sort of their country stores. From that, I went on to manage Space NK. Which um, is where our paths crossed, we've yes, just realised. That's right. <laughs> and as you know, Space NK obviously was started by an Irish woman as well. So, you know, that was really inspiring. And one thing about Space NK was they sourced a lot of niche brands from around the world. Um, so a lot of the time, you would have actually had the brand owner coming in to talk to you. Ah. And you would have thought something like that was so far, you know, out of reach. But uh-huh. actually listening to them and hearing their stories and realising, you know, they just started at the kitchen table. This actually is possible. And at that point, point, I was toying with the idea of, because I have always wanted to, you know, own my own business. Um, do I want to sell product or do I want to sell service? Did I want to be, you know, a petition? Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought then, do you know what? There's a lot of things I want in life. Like I want a family. Um, I want to build a house. You know, I want to be able to do these, the all these things and not miss out on any of these things. So I decided then, right, I want to sell a product. What product ah. it was going to be. I did not discover until I got married and I had a disaster on my wedding day. Oh, with Tan? With Tan. <laughs> oh, goodness, right. The, the disasters with Tan, if anybody's listening now who's had that disaster with Tan, they'll, they'll, they'll feel your pain. So <laughs> talk, talk us through what happened. Oh, no. So um, I had been for a spray tan and I woke up the next morning and underneath my arms were green. Um, I have eczema and everywhere there where I had little patches and flares of eczema, which, mind you, in the week before your wedding, you do be stressed, so it was pretty flared up. Um, it had just caught to all of my back. Um, I had like a 1920s themed wedding and my oh. dress was quite low at the back and my sister ended oh. up having to paint my back with foundation. Um, and even when I look back now, I, because it was sort of like a 1920s style wedding, a lot of our photos were black and white and I was like, thank God, because yeah. the coloured ones, my tan looks, yeah. you know, it looks, it still looks bad in them. Were there tears? There was tears, trans- tantrums, and there was bleach taken to underneath my arms no. to try and remove the green. Yes. God, we were just talking about green tans and when it goes off, apparently it goes green ditch. Yes. It. Okay. Right. So we'll not mention the product no, in question, no, no, no. but obviously... Um, you must have thought that tears tantrum what what did you think you needed to do well I then proceeded to go obviously we went away for a few days um before our honeymoon and those few days I mean I had outfits with me but it was coming off like absolute snake skin so um I came back and I asked the therapist who, who is a friend of mine you know there was nothing wrong with the way she spread it nothing at all and other people's skin it would have taken two grand but because I have sensitive skin and suffer from eczema I, it just didn't it didn't work well on my skin. Um, so I asked her what the product w- was. I researched the ingredients in it, found out, you know, a lot of tans out there actually do contain a high percentage of alcohol. And if you even think about it over, you know, the pandemic, us using hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. which is about 90% alcohol, and our, you know, our hands become so dry. That's right, and cracked and everything. Yeah. And if you are somebody with, you know, drier prone skin and eczema, it's, it's never going to be right in your skin. So... 
as I say, I, I am a bit of a skincare junkie. Um, and obviously working in Space NK, you know, you're working with hundreds of different skincare brands and I was always researching ingredients. So what I kind of wanted to do then was take um, the knowledge from skincare, combine it with the tan, with no alcohol and make sure that it was as clean as possible. So how did you get started? So starting off, um, I did a bit of research, obviously having a bit of a business background with working with those other brands um, and hearing other brand owners. One one main thing for me was I wanted to ensure that I owned my formulas. So a lot of the factories that we were actually visiting and researching, they'll formulate, they'll charge you for the formulation. However, they will own your eyepiece. So if you ever want to, say, upscale your manufacturing or move your manufacturing, you know, you'll have to completely reformulate. And again, you know, for a business like ours, if you spent so long formulating, I mean, our first product we formulated for like two years, you want to ensure that you have the total rights over that formulation. So we looked at a lot of factories within the UK and um, then we looked at factories within Ireland and we actually found one in Ireland who... um, they had never made like mousses or lotions before. They'd only ever did like spray tan. So this was a first. I'm still working um, with the original lady who did our formulations. I'm still formulating with her. Um, and the great thing about them was you actually owned all of your own formulations. So at that stage, that factory was very, very small. Um, then obviously with our business, they grew. Right. Um, and now they've actually... So would they be producing tan for other people as well? Th- they are now. Okay. They, they weren't back oh. then. <laughs> but they're probably one of the biggest manufacturers of tan now within Ireland and probably um, the UK. Okay. Back so then, we would, would have been like their first customers. No. There were other people doing tan. Oh, yeah, there was. So I'm thinking of, of Alison Hogg, you know, whenever she yes, started that's right, out. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, her story of success in developing tan. But you knew there was a market out there, though, that even though there were other brands available, uh, you know, it was quite a competitive market, but maybe it's, it's even more so now. Yeah, no, look, it was a really competitive market back then. It's even more so now. And, you know, we did get a lot of resilience, you know, um, and a lot of people closing the door on us and a lot of people saying, well, you know, why why would I buy yours when there's so many already in the market? Um, and I think then for us, it was just like we believed in our product. Um, but also we knew that we needed some sort of a hook to ensure that they would start to use our product over others. We had obviously used the highest grade of ingredients, but we had made it more price competitive than the other leading tans within the market. Um, I realise everybody has their price point that they're going to go to. And um, for me at that stage, like I was, you know, a working, you know, working mother. um, And was I going to spend 30 to 40 pound in a bottle of tan? No. Um, but was I going to spend £20 on a bottle of tan um, that made me look good, didn't cling to my skin and didn't have the dreaded, you know, snake skin wear off? Yes, I would I would definitely spend £20. So I think I always laugh. I say down south, they, they shop in, in 50 euros and up, up in the north we sh- shop in £20 notes. This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries. 
from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 so whenever you're developing that product, obviously looking after your intellectual property and patenting mm. your idea and everything that goes with that is so important. But testing it on people is, is so important too. And the fact yeah. that your products are so natural and you obviously aren't going down the routes of animal testing or anything like no, that. No, definitely so not. It's real people. How did, how did you try and see what worked? Um, half of the staff on Space NK. <laughs> uh, friends, We're glowing. Yes, friends, family. Everybody got the touch. So, um, and another thing is, you know, you had a look as well, you know, um, the likes of my sisters are different skin tones, some of them sallow skinned, you know, the other ones are pale, pasty, like myself. Um, I wasn't blessed with that gene, unfortunately. Well, you look like it today. I'm looking at my own <laughs> and I look grey, but it is the middle of winter. And then um, also, like, you know, ladies that were on medication, um, mm. you know, ladies maybe that had been through cancer treatment, also... Um, uh, people with diabetes because of the insulin um, they take it tans can react different to their skin so mm. we did formulate and we looked at like loads of different DHAs because some DHAs can result in that sort of like orange tone and really what we wanted was that golden olive tone so we literally went worldwide looking for different DHAs and settled with the one DHA that DHA is so it's chemical it's basically the chemical that reacts with your skin uh-huh. with the top layer of your skin and makes you brown basically right okay so when did you realize though yep we've got it we've got the magic formula this is the one i mean or did you have lots of different shades to the 97th our formulation (laughs) seriously (laughs) yeah 97 goes to get it right for the first one yeah and then it was eureka and then it was like and then obviously you have to go into you know your stability your ocular your patch test and all of that there so that takes a period of weeks before then you can bring it to market you need to explain that to me stability so like your stability that the product is stable within the componentry that you choose for it um also your patch testing um i suppose we actually do do more extensive testing than a lot of other brands do because if you're anything like myself i'll take a minute and i'll just rub it around my face that's why we did the likes of the ocular testing which for was round your eyes Ah. so like it has to be sent to france to get that sort of testing done so you know um you can choose to do the minimum testing but you know, we always try and... And that's because if it got into your eyes... Sensitivity, and it right. you know, around the eyes, everything. So okay. we wanted to make sure that, you know, we were claiming this is for sensitive skin. It's suitable for all skin types. So we wanted to make sure that we had the most extensive testing that we could possibly do. Now, how open do you think uh, women, and maybe there's a difference on different parts of, of the island and farther afield, you know, how... Um, I know myself, I'm a bit of a creature of habit. I like what I like. Yeah. And then to actually try and and take that leap and try something different I would feel a wee bit like you on your you know, what if it all went wrong <laughs> what would you recommend so for us at that time we knew that was something that was going to happen and obviously you know I'm from a cosmetics background I know when I'm selling to customers previously in the past for them even to change their foundation their mascara you know their creature of habit they like to stick to what they know 
So again, it's about education and educating them about, you know, why this is good for your skin and, you know, obviously educating them on how to apply it. The great thing for us at the time was we had actually developed a mitt and it was in the shape of your hand with a thumb and we were the first ones to the market with it. Mm. So it was all plastic lined and grip proof inside. It was made of like a luxury velvet. So um, it basically buffed the product onto the skin, which made for an easier application. And because of the grip proof lining, you know, it didn't move about on your hand like the other mitts in the market. Unfortunately, we couldn't patent it because it is the shape of our hand. So let's just say there's a lot of them out there now. <laughs> right, there's a few more. Well, you know, they, they had to copy someone and why not you? When did you know though, so you got the 97th formulation. When did you know this is going to be big? I would probably say when we developed our first mousse and we were sitting with back orders of over 20,000 units and we couldn't get componentry fast enough to fill it. (laughs) Right. And then you've got that supply and demand crisis. So talk us through where were you at this stage in terms of where you were producing, you know, where were you doing business and how much have you had to grow? So we were at that stage, we... um, we started off obviously in my garage. Right. So I had an office so many off the garage. <laughs> Not the kitchen table, we've got too no. messy. My husband thought he was gonna put cars in it, but like <laughs> it wasn't happening. Um and I had a wee office off to the side of um the garage which again he thought was going to be his office, but I took over. <laughs> I had just had a baby whenever we launched. So um, what I did was I was actually contacting, again, from my experience of working in the cosmetic industry, I've seen how brands were utilising influencers and bloggers. So I looked at all the counties and I picked a um, few different bloggers within each county, contacted them, um, sent them down product or went and met them for coffee and um, asked them to give their honest reviews on the products. I think we were kind of one of the first brands, you know, to do this around Ireland that was actually utilising bloggers and influencers within that way. Um, then we moved from there and we moved to a little warehouse in Primroy. And we then moved from that warehouse to doing all of our distribution from the factory um, and just have an office space up here and down in Minos, down south. And then just before lockdown, we moved into our new bigger warehouses with our offices attached. And we have literally just taken on a second site there about a month ago, which my poor father is currently having to do all the work too. <laughs> it's an incredible story and it's been an incredible journey um, for you yeah. so far. Um, when you started out, did you get much resistance from those around you? Because, you know, the purpose of this podcast, I suppose, is to inspire people maybe to, yeah. to think about starting a business. But what was it like? How much support did you get from those around you? Well, obviously, friends and family, you know, I've got loads of support from friends and family. Um, we did self-fund everything did you? at the start ourselves. I mean, I sold the nice car that I was driving and um, got myself a little small runabout so I could put the money into buying that shipment of mitts from China. <laughs> um, and then we did obviously get a bit of support from Invest NI in terms of like, you know, how to trademark um, your name. Um, also, you know, with our business plan. Um, and then friends and family, I mean, were great. Everybody around home was so supportive. I think where we got the most resistance was um, from wi- from the wider audience. Um, like certain beauty editors completely closing the door on us, wouldn't even give us the chance. But now 
write about our products. Mm. Um, and how difficult is that to say, yeah, I'll give you an interview? Do you know what? <laughs> it is It is what it is. It is what you, it is, You yeah. just, the, you know, they have their own opinions, you have your opinions, but what I would say is, you know, never say never. Keep knocking on their door. Uh-huh. You know, don't... Yes, don't, don't, let, don't, don't close the shutters don't down. Don't close shutters no. down. Don't let it annoy you. Just People keep, take a while to change, don't it. they? And then... Keep knocking on their doors and someday they'll listen to you because they'll get sick of you knocking. <laughs> Well, my goodness, you don't need to knock anymore. That's the thing. Um, And you've been knocking at some amazing places over the years. You talked about uh, influencers and bloggers. But tell me about the the stars, I suppose, that have been uh, using Bellamanta products and, and loving them. Yeah, well, I suppose the big one for us, um, we've recently, last year, just did a collaboration with her, was Mora. And... Look, I'm going to be honest, I never seen us as a collaboration sort of brand um, at the very, very start. But again, that is the way the market is going. Um, and for us, it was a real natural progression with Mora because Mora actually worked with us before she went into Love Island. She'd um, done so seven. So tell us about Mora for those who are listening now that are going, who, who's Mora? Mora Higgins, so she was in Love Island. Yeah. Um, so she worked with you before? Yeah, that. so she would have did, um, she worked with us as a brand ambassador. Um, so she would have did, you know, social media posts for us. She also did a lot of modelling for us at various beauty shows. Um, and do you know what? The two of us just got on well. We're kind of two of a kind, let's just say. Um, so did she wear the product on Love Island? Or? Yeah, she was wearing it. I've I seen all the bottles. Loads of the loads of the them were wearing it. They she was going mad. She said they were all rubbing the bottles <laughs> off her. The men too, probably. But they weren't allowed to show any brand, and they had to put like uh, labels ah, around right, it. Right. Um, but obviously, we now have the collaboration with her, and it's just been launched into Superdrug there in January. Because of that collaboration, yeah, it's her. It's her collection that's in Superdrug. So, uh, just to even talk about that's worked really well for you. But there's a lot of businesses out there. Maybe you know, don't they wouldn't work in that that arena. Mm. That's social media influencers or something they just don't understand. Um, and probably quite rightly so. Maybe are are fearful. Who do you align your brand to or with? What what advice would you would you give? Because there are people out there that you know, would take your product no problem um, and, and, you know, who do you trust? I think for us, when we actually reach out to anyone, we will send them out the products first and for us it's important that they actually like them and they want to use them because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want you want somebody to come across as genuine, genuine yeah. and, and honest mm-hmm. and that was one of the reasons why I didn't hesitate to do the collaboration with Maura because she had been using the products, she absolutely loved the products and I think that is key when you are working with different influencers. You you want to look for um, people who maybe are professionals within their industries, um, especially within the beauty industry. You know, a lot of people will take advice from makeup artists who are using, you know, those products day in, day out, who are professionals within their own right, um, who will know the difference in the ingredients in the products. Um, and then, as well as that there... People buy people, and yeah. people want to see normal people use the products too. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to see models use the products all the time. They want to see the normal, radical, somebody like housewife. Yeah, you know, they want to make sure that you know. Well, oh, she wears tan too. I'm actually surprised at that. Uh-huh. You know, and even actually, you were saying that Caroline from Dig was yeah, in earlier, and Caroline is a is a brand ambassador for us. And I remember when I approached her, and I knew that she used the products, and she said, "God, no." 
I don't know now, Linda, and I go to <laughs> Caroline. That is the type of people that people want to see the normal people and they want to take their genuine, honest advice mm-hmm. because they'll believe them over yeah. maybe believing a celebrity who is getting paid £10,000 for a post. And, and throwing it in the bin or maybe didn't bin. even have it on in the exactly. first place. Yeah, yeah. I know. And, and it is that trust issue because I yeah. think... In the world that we live in at the minute, there's so much greed around and there's so much distrust and mistrust. So I think getting back to aligning yourself to somebody who has the same values as you or the same market and, you know, is a bit like yourself. It is, Kenna. And, you know, that is, I like to work with people who uh, I like. Yeah, I know. We all do. (laughs) You know, sometimes that doesn't always work out and you have to move on. Yes. And I think it's also knowing when to pull the pin and realising that, you know, don't keep flogging a dead horse. This isn't working. Oh. Let's move on. I sense a story in there. <laughs> Maybe that's for another time. Oh, there's, there's loads of them. Well, did you get your fingers burnt over the years? Of course. Look, I have come up against so many obstacles. This journey has not been one of a bed of roses. Um You know, I've had um, a business partner at the start. I don't have a business partner anymore. Um So, like, the past what, three and a half years I haven't had a business partner. Um, and was that difficult? Because, you know, it's great to have a business partner, I think, at the it start is if it works and getting, out, yeah. getting things going, but you need to, you know, gel or you need to know when it's time to, yeah, I to think, walk away. You know, the big thing for me, if you're ever getting into business with someone, is to ensure that when you sit down, you do al- align your values. Uh-huh. Um, because if you do end up with a difference of opinion, it, you know, it doesn't work out. And, you know, if you can, you know, sort it out and break up amicably. Amicably, I know, that's a hard word to say. That is so much better than having a rye on your hands. But, like, um, for me, if you you can do it yourself and if this vision was always yours, do it yourself. Right. And was the vision always yours? I think the vision from the start of me wanting to own my business and um, the whole tanning disaster with the wedding... um, Although I'm not saying there was an input from the other person, of, of course, course there was, and there was valuable input from them. Um, but I think I maybe had a, a little bit more passion about, you know, building the brand, not just building a business. So without delving too deeply, was it a relief to go your separate ways or was that like starting over again? What did it feel like? It was a big relief at the end of it. Um, Did you, know, you worry about going out on your own? Keeping no. Or you knew you could do it? No, I didn't worry at all because I'd been running the business before we split for over a year by myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I didn't worry about it. Um, it was a costly, let's just say, <laughs> breakup. Okay. But, um, you know, it is what it is. You move on, you know. There'll you, be many people listening to you this who understand. It, you take it as a learning lesson. You know, you don't let it get you down. And, like, now I've totally rebranded Bellamianta. Um, I've changed the logo. I've changed the look, the feel, everything of it. And to me, it just aligns more with me and my personality and everything that I'm about. So, Bellamianta, where did that name come from? So Bella obviously is beautiful in like so many different languages and then Mianta is Irish for aspirations so it was like beautiful aspirations. Oh I love that, that's really good. Now tell me Iconic Bronze, is that the new you? So Iconic Bronze um, is actually, what, it's three years old now Um, and how Iconic Bronze came about was um, we were actually getting a lot of customers say oh god, resistance to £20 where they're buying their tan for a fiver or tenner 
Um, we had been approached by a lot of the bigger retailers. So, for example, you know, Primark. Um, and obviously, when you do go into Primark, they are a value brand, you know, they will discount it slightly. So when they approached us about um, Bellamyanta, I refused. I just said, look, I just don't think it's the right fit um, because I want to keep this brand within the premium category. And I had a lot of, you know, I had ambitions, big ambitions for Bellamyanta in terms of like the cosmetics field and everything that I wanted to go into. Um, however, you know, I had to take a wee step back and realise, you know what, just because that's what I like and that's my values, not everybody's the same. So what we actually, what I did at that time was um, I formulated based on similar ethoses of Bellamyanta, but you just using a lot more cheaper ingredients. So, for example, within Bellamyanta, you have um, seabock thorn oil, which is a more expensive ingredient. In um, Iconic Bronze, we use sunflower oil, which is much cheaper. Ah. Um, so much cheaper, but you're still aligning yourself to those values, vegan. Vegan, cruelty-free, cruelty free. and no alcohol. And no alcohol. Um, now, obviously, there is some synthetics within Iconic Bronze, which there wouldn't be within Bellamyanta. And, you know, there's some people that love Bellamyanta and some people that love Iconic Bronze. Yeah. And again, it's a price point thing. It's, you know, you can buy it for 10 euros in Primark, Tenor and, and Pennies and um, it sells unbelievably well. So there you go. You've tapped into another market and I suppose you've challenged yourself to think differently yeah. as well. What's been your favourite range to develop? Because I know you've diversified again into lots of things. Yeah, so um, we are obviously diversifying into a lot more colour cosmetics because coming from a beauty background and absolutely love makeup, you know, and you know, having trained a lot of girls in makeup and, you know, just if you ever walk into my bedroom at home, there's just makeup everywhere. Um, that always was one of my goals. So I think we are currently working on a project at the at the minute that is due to launch in um, late July. And I would probably say that's probably been my favourite to date. Ah. Bar that, the Cockcrease Queen collection with Olivia and Emma, was really, really good. Tell me about that. Um, so Olivia um, McVeigh and Emma Kearney, so one, they're both sort of like big on TikTok and Instagram, both makeup artists, and actually Emma's from Newry, so she is. There you go. And Olivia's actually from Tyrone, and Olivia used to work in the packing room in Bellamyanta. Oh. And I would, ha I would ha had always been looking out for um, sort of like somebody different and I kind of wanted to bring two girls together because maybe together they're stronger mm. and also give somebody from the local area a chance where it's not always the ones in the UK or from Dublin that are getting the big opportunities and you know give local country girls a chance so um, we worked for nearly two years on the collaboration and it consists of um, a 24 um, eyeshadow palette um, an eye base eyelashes each and a 10 piece brush brush collection <sighs> so it's all about achieving that uh, cut crease queen so you know it is it's quite colourful you know but it does obviously have you know your your neutral colours in there that the likes of me and you would probably feel safe using yes. because I would I'm not gonna lie I wouldn't be into um, the mad colours on my eyes however the girls have shown me a lot of ways to use them and tricks and, and tricks so it was quite a fun collaboration it was delayed a lot over Covid because I'm sure you've heard this you know, um, team times over. 
and um, then we had a big launch party in Clubland in Cookstown. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, like, I'm a mother of three. I was like, this will be the last time I'll ever get to the Clubland <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Bet you it will. Oh, I'd say it is. And what was that like? Amazing. Uh, you know, it was brilliant. And you danced and the night away. Danced the night away, and they had a brilliant time, and the collection's selling really, really well, and it's been really well re- received as well. So I'm just wondering, in terms of, you know, working in the co- cosmetics industry and in the beauty industry, mm-hmm. um, probably two two schools of thought here um, from an outsider's view is it quite a bitchy world is it a competitive world or do you find that you all you know is it makeup brushes at dawn or do you all support each other well do you know we can do two answers if you no, want. funny you say that because i remember um working on the beauty counter in Craigavon and rushmere in urban decay and the girl across the road was by ysl and I remember a customer, st- me and her were standing, we were laughing our heads up. We were having a good old time with ourselves standing <laughs> on the counter because it wasn't that busy. And she just stood there and she goes, do you know, it's great to see two girls like this here getting on. And I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, oh, I would have thought you would be bitching huh? with each other, trying to win each other's sales. My customer. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's, it's, you know, it's not like that there because if you're coming in for YSL, you're coming in for YSL. If you're coming in for Urban Decay, you know, you're coming in for Urban Decay. You know, if you're walking about and you don't know what you want, of course, either of us are going to try and grab you. But at the end of the day, you know, whoever gets the sale gets the sale. But like, you want to get on with the people that you work with you're going to get bitching anywhere. And that's so why do people have that image? Is it about that sort of beauty industry? I think it's just the beauty industry. Up? Like, if you come into our office, like, let... Well, I'll give you an example. The girls that are working for me now, one girl in particular, um, before she started working for me, she said, Linda, before I started here, honestly, I thought you would have been like devil wears Parada. Oh, no. You know, brand wearing, handbag, high heel wearing every Don't single day. Don't mess with me. Don't uh-huh. mess with me. And she was like, you are like the total opposite. Oh. And I was like, well, do you know what? It's, that is just not my natural being. Yeah. You know, I am who I am. You know, I'm. there's five girls in our house. So, you know, you, you learn when to pull your horns. <laughs> but yeah, That's nice to hear, though, yeah. isn't it? And that you are a real human being. But I suppose so much of what you do is about aesthetics, is about beauty, is about the visual, mm. is about the social media. So your looks are always on, you know, show always being judged when you are the face, if you like, of your brand as well. Yeah. I know you've got other influencers now, but people will look to you first. Do you feel that pressure? I suppose if you're going to events or anything, of course, you feel the pressure. You know, I, I'm only human at the end of the day. and But... I think for me, naturally, I love putting on makeup. Right. I love getting my hair done. I love getting glammed up. So it doesn't feel that much pressure. But I suppose when you're standing in a room full of, um, you know, absolutely gorgeous women, you know, everybody judges themselves. Everybody has those insecurities. So and even those gorgeous women, the models They themselves. have the insecurities yeah. as well. Like I work with models and, mm. you know, you'll hear them talking, you know, I don't like this about myself. And I'm going, Jesus, if I had your figure, you know. But a little bit of tan always helps, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. makes everybody <laughs> feel so much better just to feel a bit sun-kissed as long as you don't have a bad experience like <laughs> your wedding um, yeah I can always remember my sister's uh, wedding years ago I think yeah, that tan had just come out and everybody was tanned but everybody had gone to bed that night and laying next to whatever partner and the men were kind of half tanned down one side as well which was quite <laughs> entertaining the next day we didn't know what was going everybody had these random arms with tan all over them um, you're a big family person you've got yeah. three little girls or not so little now um, what would you like to see them doing in their lives? What are, what are they showing interest in? 
Um, I think, you know, I just encourage them to follow their dreams, do what it is that they want to do, but also realise that they have to work hard for it. Because I think there is quite a generation at the moment of, you know, I'll just dream about it and it's going to happen. And, you know, we were brought up with our, an extremely good work ethic. Um, all of us have very good work ethics. And I do see it coming through quite a lot that the work ethic in a lot of people isn't there and it's one of the key things I look for even whenever I'm employing people you know I don't care if you have 20 million degrees if you have if you have a better work ethic than that person who has you know much more qualifications you're going to be much more better for me and my company mm-hmm. but you know I do try and instill that in the girls um but I also do want to pigeon them whole, pigeonhole them into you know whatever I'm doing you know, so you don't want them to take the no, company if they, on? No, if, if they do it, they do it. Yeah. But I'm not going to put them under any pressure to do it because, you know, if they want to go and travel the world or, you know, if they if they want to become, you know, a superstar, I always say, you know, I have three in the house. I have um, Savannah, the silent assassin, <laughs> um, Ruby, the rock star, and um, Holly, who thinks she's Emily out of Paris. So... <laughs> Quite different personalities, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and, and you know, especially with with young girls, I suppose yeah. it's just, you know, let them let them let, find let, their let own children path. Be children, let ch- yeah. You know, right. I had a great childhood, and we were never put under pressure for, you know, having to achieve this mm-hmm. or achieve that. Of course, you were, you you know, you you had to work hard and you had to help out in the house, and you know, when you were a teenager, you had to go and get your part time job and earn your own money, and I think that still great values within us. Um, but at the same time, we never wanted for anything, but we weren't spoilt. And I think that actually has helped us through life a lot. So how many people have you got working for you now too? Um, there is 22 at the moment. Yeah, nice. and we're just recruiting at the minute. Um, we have um, some girls going off to travel and we're having to replace them. Some girls going off maternity and we're growing some of the internal teams. So there is, I think, about, we're recruiting for about five different people at the moment. Oh, who are you looking for? What kind of person? Warehouse operatives, um, digital advertising executives, um, paid social advertising executives, um, and um, people to join the new product development team. Fantastic. Can, do you pinch yourself? Do you ever pinch yourself and think, I can't believe all of this? Do you know, I people always say to me, Linda, oh my God, you've done so well, you've done so well, but I don't even look, I don't even, I don't even see it, I don't even look at it like that. Um, because once I do something and tick it off the box, and I'm right, right, what's, what's the next thing? <laughs> and then they always say in business that you should always have an exit strategy. Do you know yeah. when's the right time to sell? When I'm not fit to do it anymore, and I've lost. If I ever lose my passion, then I think it, it's time for you to get out. Um, but also, you know, if there comes a point, you know, in your family life, or you know, for health reasons, you need to. You need to know when, you know, it's the right time to leave. Um, however, I don't see that happening to me anytime soon because you know I have my three girls, and you know when I had Ruby, my second child, just whenever I had started the business. I haven't had maternity leave really for my last two children, but that's my choice. I'm not saying that's right for everyone. That was my choice to do it. And it hasn't done them any harm. And, and do you feel you've got the work-life balance right or do you ever have that? I think I probably do have... I do. You're never going to have it in terms of like you're always going to be working from ho- You know, when you're at home, you're still going to be working. But like, you know, if I have to go and see my child... Uh, you know, in the fish, or you know, go and see her at a match, or you know, go and lift her from school. I have, 
you know, I have the luxury of doing that. Mm-hmm. And because the business is obviously within, you know, a sort of 15 mile radius it's to perfect. my house, it's perfect. So that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit and being able to keep it local and keep it around family, yeah. it actually works really, really well. The purpose of this podcast, Linda, yeah. is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as yours. What advice would you give, though, to people who may have a business idea? but have no idea where to begin or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? Um, so for me, I'm, I am a risk taker. Um, however, I try and take calculated risks. But I think, see if you can't stop thinking about it and you're going to bed and you're thinking about it and you're looking at the clock and work and you're going, this is not for me, I want to own my own business, then just go for it. And I know they say that in like the Invest in I adverts and everything, but seriously, if you can't stop thinking about it, you need to just go for it because if you don't try it, um, you'll spend your life with regrets. The other thing that I would always say is, you know, take loads of advice. People think people within your sector, within your industry, isn't go- aren't going to give you advice. Like I've helped loads of girls out that have been moving into this sort of in- industry or various different in- industries because I remember whenever I started out I did get a lot of help and I got a lot of advice however you know with that advice always don't let it hinder you know your vision um, take advice but don't let it change your direction either um, be clear on what you want do a business plan honestly see once, see once you put it down on paper you know, putting it down on paper does really, really help and setting yourselves sort of like not just goals, but milestones, you know, you could have financial goals that you want to set yourself. You also could have like, you know, particular retailers that you want to get into. Um, and remember, once those goals are smashed and your milestones are smashed, set yourself new ones because you don't want to become complacent either. There's no sign of you retiring anytime soon, <laughs> I would say. Linda Stinson, thank you so much for joining me today and I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed asking the questions. Please join me again for another fantastic uh, edition of the Public Eye podcast coming up soon. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how? Granite Podcast Studio can help. Record your podcast in our state-of-the-art studio, which is based in the heart of Newry City. Our studio has cutting-edge and user-friendly technology and can seat up to four people. We also provide an editing service for our team using your guidance and editing notes to provide you with a flawless finished product, leaving your listeners wanting more. For more information on how you can get started, visit www.granitepodcaststudio.com.